The Late Morning Program with Nam Ras Podcast. Hare Krishna, everyone. You are listening to the Late Morning Program with Nam Ras, the number one Hare Krishna podcast in the world, self-proclaimed, as I think most people know. Um, but I'm here with uh, His Holiness, Kavi Chandra Swami. Kavi Chandra Maharaj, thank you so much for joining me. Thank you. Let's see what we can do. <laughs> so Kavi Chandra Maharaj is one of the longest standing members of the GBC, the governing body commission of ISKCON. So I wanted to bring Maharaj on to just talk about his journey in Krishna consciousness, as well as talk about a little bit about the governing body. What's the reason we have a governing body and maybe clear up some misconceptions about what they do and uh, things like that. So maybe we can start off there, Maharaj. Um, please tell us how you, uh, where did you grow up and, and how did you come in contact with devotees? Okay, I born and grew up in Minneapolis, Minnesota suburbs, and was, you know, like a jack of all trades type. I never really got into anything very much, but in high school, I started reading all kinds of philosophy books whatever I could find. Right. And, you know, got some kind of interest in in God or whatever. I went to church and stuff, but I found it quite boring. And then we had the, uh, you know, the beatnik philosophers, which we really got into Allen Ginsberg and Ferland Getty and Jack Kerouac. And <clears throat> I studied very thoroughly. The There was a series in called the Playboy Philosopher in the Playboy magazine where they had everybody <laughs> played and watch Jack Barr and see all these people that, you know, supposed to be adult. So then I went to university for a little while. And I, I never had no interest in anything. I used to think I should go to New York, and it was exactly the time Prabhupada came when I started the university. But somehow I never got moving. And then... As time went on, I I took a yoga class, you know, got interested in that. And from that teacher, at least I found out about Krishna. He was my body and I wasn't, you know, I didn't want to surrender to him, but he had pictures of Krishna on the wall and he did play the Mahamantra from the, you know, from the London. So that got me a little bit interested in, at that time, in our city there on the radio was always uh, Govinda Madhi Prusha. Right. You know, that's George Harrison with the Radha Krishna Temple in London. So that was <laughs> really exciting. So finally I thought I have to get out of here. If I'm going to find a guru, I have to get out of Minneapolis. You know, it was a dried up place. And, and so I took off. And on the way, when I was heading south, that's when my sweet Lord came out. So started hearing the Maha Mantra all the time. Oh, wow. I'd actually heard from Allen Ginsberg also at his poetry reading. He chanted for a half hour or something before he read his poems. Right. And then when I got finally got, I got to Oklahoma, I had some friends there. They had George's album, the No One Three Ones, you know, the three records. I didn't connect at all, but it said, chant the names of the Lord and you'll be free. And I thought, okay, I'll do it. You know, I was... 
desperate, but I didn't know what they were. I couldn't connect it with them, my sweet Lord. But the whole thing was very spiritual, so I was really convinced, you know, this is the way to go. And then I got to Tucson, and then I met the Buddhists. They were wow. chanting one of the campus. And then very soon I just moved in with them. I was married. I had a wife and child, dog. The cat had run away. So after a while, I got rid of the dog. And then we really got into it. And then Corunder, the GBC, said we should go to Dallas or Houston or something because where I was was all brahmacharis. So right. we drove. Texas ended up in Dallas and uh, was there when we moved into the current building. And then I went to LA and I, they put me, they called me there to be in charge of the incense factory, but I was doing book distribution every night and I think Ramaswar knew that. So he made that arrangement. So even though I was doing the incense factory, I would go out every night. Wow. I got really attached to book distribution, started traveling around America, pretty much a, a lot of places. And I was thinking this, you know, many times we're getting rained out. And, you know, I, so I, I somehow got with Tripurari. That was the first, like, airport party. Myself and Tripurari and Sarbaboma. And we went around to different airports, and then that grew. And then I was in Chicago for a long time with Vaisheshika and Aikatma and Pragosh and Kaziram, you know, a whole crew of powerhouse people. Right. I think my mother-in-law was there. Was that the same time you were there? You, uh, no, she came a little later, I think. Oh, I see. Okay. Some super Madhijis were there also. I don't remember all the yeah. names. Right, right. Then I got in Rotterdam while I was in Philadelphia. Then we got in Rotterdamadar. Oh, wow. Yeah. And I had the bus. And of course, Jamal Krishnaraj, he wants to test everyone. He gave me all the losers. But then I had, I had Rotterdamadar for a little while. <laughs> this is interesting history. Then I heard that uh, Kirtananda was planning to kidnap them back because they. Vishwajan had originally taken them from there. So that's yeah. when they went to Gita Nagari. Radhadamadar went to Gita Nagari. And then uh, Prabhupada left. And then we, I went to India with Tamal Krishnamaraj. I was in Juhu. I was manager, general manager of Juhu for some time. Wow. Those times that not really fit for publication, all the crazy things that were going on. <laughs> and then, uh, so I went to Fiji. I was there for a year, traveling all over Fiji, and actually made a lot of devotees and distributed a lot of books. Wow. And for various reasons, I went back to LA, and it was chaos. Those days were great chaos. You know, you, if anybody's been watching the history of the GBC, they've heard something about it. The SPT. Right, right. And I was thinking, I got to get out of here. I want to I go to Japan or something where there's no devotees, you know, because everybody was just talking about all the chaos. What so, year was this? 80, 80, 79. Something like oh, 79. That. Okay, right. 80, maybe it was 80. I, I can't remember. Right. So somehow I got to Japan. It took a long time to get the visa. 
and there were a few devotees there, but mostly, you know, 100 million karmis and started distributing books. And somehow Krishna blessed us. We made a lot of devotees. Not a lot, but really good ones, you know. Uh, and no one, no Japanese had ever joined before, for, except for two ever in Japan. And so it went pretty big. We were number one book distributors. And that was before India and Russia took off. You know? <laughs> After that, it would disappear. <laughs> right. And then I got on the GBC in 87. Wow. Now, can I, can I ask was, you something about... Um about when after Srila Prabhupada left, I know before there was, he was kind of keeping everything together as far as unity and whatnot. But after he left, what was the, what was the feeling after like, wh what were you feeling when all this kind of chaotic thing happened that he had left and then devotees started deviating and things like that? Well, I started remembering in the fourth canto, there's a, one paragraph or one sentence it says, when the Acharya leaves, there will be chaos. And, right. you know, I'm reading that. And, yeah, of course, you know. But then I thought, well, we never could have predicted what kind of chaos would happen, you know. Because yeah. we had a society and, and a lot of people, you know, suddenly had tremendous power that were, you know, for all. Nowadays would be considered new bhaktis, you know. Someone had been a devotee for seven years, eight years. All of a sudden, they have hundreds of disciples, millions of dollars. Wow. But, but Prabhupada empowered them to just accomplish, like, unbelievable things with book distribution and properties and temples. But some of them, you know, couldn't handle it. The, the power shorted out. So. Right. So the GBC was uh, dwindling and you know, having a lot of trouble trying to deal with all this. And, of course, if someone disagreed with Prabhupada, they either had to keep their mouth shut or leave, you know. Right. Right? But with the BBC, anybody could just say, well, who's he? I know him since he joined. I remember this. I remember, you know, they, they made so many mistakes, and that's still going on. People have... Web pages with all the big mistakes the GBC has made. <laughs> Karmis have also list of all the mistakes Prabhupada made. Right. You know, so because they perceive as mistakes, and we don't perceive as mistakes. Mm -hmm. But for us, you know, the not the divine. You know, definitely we're not. So many things were were happening, and it, you know. So finally, Rabindra Sarup, there was in America such a revolution. Temple presidents complaining about not the GBC about the new gurus, and uh, so Rabindra Sarup. What was the complaint exactly? Well, there were many were deviating in many different ways. It's right, you know, in all kinds of crazy things, and philosophically sometimes, like New Vrindavan, you know, spiritually falling down, just leaving. And, you know, it was devastating. So he made this 50-man committee with different leaders from around the world. And we met in Mayapur with all the GBC. And the GBC agreed to add a lot of members in 87. Oh, right. I can't remember exactly how many, but I happen to be one of them. It's by default, you know, they call in the military 
Battlefield Promotions. Right. <laughs> so, and, you know, it looked good. I looked like, you know, somebody in, because Japan was really flourishing, actually. So, um, that made a big difference. From then, there was a big difference in the way the GBC operated. So you're saying that before 87, it was kind of like whoever, who, who was appointed GBC before 87? Well, Prabhupada had appointed. Before, and they had know, stayed, they had stayed they, there, they, the same GBC since you know, early 87? They might have added a few, but Prabhupada basically had appointed people up, you know. And as far as I know, they weren't appointing, you know, very many new ones. Right. But some came, you know, I, I I haven't kept track exactly, but the GBC would appoint people. It was, you know, they'd see somebody doing really nicely in their zone or something. So I'm not sure, though, of all the exact dates because right. most of them were around with Prabhupada. Mm. Did you feel that you could do your service better in Japan because you had become a GBC? It didn't really make any difference because the devotees had no understanding what that was or anything. Right. You know, I was, I had been the only, I started everything. So they accepted me then as, you know, they, they accepted my authority. It's kind of a natural, it's kind of natural that you were already the leader there, but then to yeah. kind of formalize it. So it didn't make much difference there or, you know, what I did because at that time, there wasn't so much organized reporting and all this kind of stuff. Yeah. So then, but then as time went on, I got Hawaii and Thailand. And then one day, Tamal Krishna called me up and said, Hey, Kavi, I'm giving you Indonesia. <laughs> wow. So, which was, uh, you know, not really in line is supposed to be like a GBC vote and everything, but everyone accepted it. And then I got Greece and then Israel. And then... How do you keep track of everything? And there was trouble in uh, West Africa because Kirtananda was the Acharya there. Right. And Gopal Krishna was a GBC, but he didn't like to go there for various political reasons. So one day he just actually we had just before the GBC meeting, we both went in the washroom at the same time. And he said, uh, you know, you could you could take West Africa, right? And I went, oh, you know. So as soon as the meeting started, he said Covey wants to take West Africa. Oh my god. And everybody said, Oh, <laughs> so I got that. And so I was never a big pioneer. I went to places that were a big mess, actually, except Japan. Japan, there was something going on, but it was not much. It wasn't happening. They had a temple, and they had a little bit of activity. But, uh, the other places were a lot of, you know, trouble, <laughs> conflicts, <laughs> Hawaii. and The way so I, I see it. That's how things went on. And that was happening to many devotees. You know, they'd get assigned for some place where they were, and before they knew it, they had this place, that place. The the way I see it, Maharaj, is that you know it could seem like 
it's like um, you're getting, you're you're gaining something like, and you're gaining some power or influence. But when when what, the way you're talking about it is that this is actually a burden of love that you're taking on a zone and and you're kind of in charge of responsible of what's happening there. So what exactly like when you said when Tamal Kushamaraj called you and said I want you to take Thailand, what did that mean like to take a place? Well, Indonesia turned out to be my oh, Indonesia. Of- my best spot. But when I first went there, there was a lot of conflicts and it was pretty crazy. Uh, so you had to work all that out. Yeah. They'd had some problems with, with the government and then a lot of internal conflict and somehow or other magically things started to work out. And so now there's like thousands of devotees there. So we're having a little more trouble with the government <laughs> because they're too successful. But, uh, they're natural, you know, Hindus, but so it was a gift because I'd worked with him and he's not the easiest person to work with when you have Who's a that? big ego like Tamal Krishnamaraj. Oh, because he knew my ego and my, how proud I was. And so he was, <laughs> he made a lot of special efforts to smash. <laughs> did make it much easier to deal in places when you go when you have a lot of people like that. So. So that's, uh, but as far as the GBC functioning, like right now there's a big uh, movement, you know, CPO, the CPO, but where did the CPO come from? Does anybody know? The GBC created it. The GBC created the CPO. Right. Because we were very concerned about the, you know, all the reports of child abuse that were coming in. Mm. So that, Bud and Ryan was, I think, that you know, the prime mover on that. But everybody took part. Everybody was totally in favor of it, and a few worked on the actual structure. So it was created by the GBC, you know, and given a lot of power, and a lot of good things happened. Yeah. You know, when I was first on the GBC, then uh, there was a, someone made a education committee. And then we made the rules of no capital punishment and the, not capital, what do you call it? No, corporal. Corporal, corporal yeah. In all the schools. Yeah. And, you know, those kind of things. And we dealt with some cases, reported cases. That it wasn't easy to get reports of child abuse for some time. But gradually it started coming in. And then gradually they weren't coming from schools. They were coming from, you know, stepfathers and things like that. So we turned that over to someone else. But then the CPO was created and many, many things. So the functioning of the GBC, they have to deal with so many things and, you know, it's management. So there were devotees thinking like, these guys are having secret meetings up there and they're just planning to control everybody. And then we opened up and Mukunda Maharaja was pushing for that, opened up to having guests come. And most of them said it's so boring they didn't want to come anymore, you know. <laughs> <laughs> they realized that they're actually pretty good guys, you know, they're really trying to do something to help the movement. Right, right. And, you know, so pushing book distribution, you know, making sure different things go on. 
and, and now that the movement's getting bigger and bigger, it's, you know, property management. We have a lot of divisions, you know, and planning for so many things. So it's hard to just tell somebody everything that's going on there and what every GBC does. There's not a lot of perks, you know, we don't get a salary. Uh, generally, if there's some kind of project that needs money, uh, they come first to the GBC and say, if you donate, that will inspire everyone else, you know. <laughs> and you feel pretty much on the spot, you know. So yeah. In the beginning, GBC members totally supported the CPO. Uh, it should be supported by the parents. The Gurukula the school should be done by the parents. You know, that's what Prabhupada said. The GBC has no money. GBC members, some of them have money because they're gurus. Some don't have. Some zones are very poor. Some are rich. You know, <laughs> so it's. Uh, but you know, and then a lot of temple presidents expect the GBC just to sign on to whatever they want to do to give it like okay, <laughs> and not to be told what what to do or what not to do. Okay. But the GBC is supposed to. You know, Prabhupada gave a lot of instructions and basic one is to travel preach and make sure that the temples have good spiritual program people are chanting around or following the principles and you know generally we're given two or three classes every day when we travel wow. now more sometimes on the on the online stuff yeah and so Prabhupada made it he he was he because Bhakti Siddhanta had told his disciples to make a GBC. He didn't make it before he left. Right. They made one, but some of them were not satisfied, and they said that we were much more dynamic when we had a big acharya, and it was much better to have a big acharya. And they appointed someone, and it didn't work out, and everything split up. Right. Prabhupada made the GBC first. And he used to sit in on the meetings. I, I, Balavanta Prabhu was on this SPT one and very, you know, nice. So uh, Prabhupada used to attend the meetings. And then after, I know the first time I went to Mayapur, Prabhupada didn't attend the meeting, but they would bring their resolutions to him every evening. And then he would approve mostly. Sometimes he wouldn't approve and he would guide them. It was for one thing that he, you know, the movement grew and it, someone has to manage. And Prabhupada, many letters, he said, you don't have to ask me these questions. You can ask the GBC. You know, so he wanted to be able to focus more on his translating work. Right. So that that's one reason. Main reason, I guess, because there's a lot of management, you know, in a big society and many temples. It's not like an easy job. Devotees went to Russia and they come back after two months visiting 90 temples. Oh my gosh. Wow. <laughs> and uh, at that time, Russia, there, there was no good water. And, you know, this KGB was checking everything all the time. So, but. You know, it made a lot of difference to make a lot of devotees. I have a question. So a lot of it's just conflict management. Right. 
Yeah, it's not as glamorous as it people might seem. Like, oh, it's like a it's like a real glamorous thing. But from what you're saying, it's like it seems like a like a thankless task in some ways to 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 kind of keep track of what other you know the spiritual development of a community and maybe people being like from the history of the GBC people being like uh, very you know critical of what you're doing even without hearing from you like. For hearing what you're talking about, it's it's kind of like opening my mind a little bit about what someone who is a GBC has to do on a like a monthly or yearly basis, visiting all these places and giving classes and things. I guess my question would be um, a historical question. You're saying Prabhupada created the GBC. So then when he created the, those 11 zonal acharyas, what was the connection between them and the GBC? Well, they were all GBC members. Okay. And there's on the SBT one, there's a lot of discussion from that. So, you know, we just kind of heard about it. You know, I was a book distributor and I was really absorbed in it. And I was an airport book distribution leader. I didn't have a lot of time to think about things. Uh, unfortunately, some things I feel pretty guilty about that I didn't know about, like the Guru Cool and stuff, you know, he just zip in and out of Dallas or something and not really know what's going on. But right. the thing is, he he definitely did not mean that they became some stapaka acharyas or whatever that word is, you know, right? Mm. Like him. Right. And Many devotees were averse to that when they tried to do that. Some GBC members, uh, very much not favorable to it, but most of them stuck it out because they had their responsibilities. And it's just, you know, everyone got, not, not everyone, many devotees got chased away with this zonal thing. And that's the whole history where it came from, the Godiamud actually that idea and but the idea that they be just because you're a diksha guru doesn't that you're an acharya because that means a teacher by example in thai language the teacher is called achar you know <laughs> activity teaches by example many asian languages are like because they come from sanskrit not that they become capital a acharyas like Prabhupada. So temples had Vyasasans uh, that were so close to being like Prabhupada's, it was really hard to tell which one was bigger. And wow. when I went to Africa, they had a lot of leftover ones. <laughs> and they had two two in the temple, and they were asking me, I said, I'm not going to sit on that, you know. And they were hurt that, well, why you're not accepting our offering, you know? Yeah. So, uh, I was trying to measure and, you know, the seat would be one inch smaller, but the top was bigger. And, you know, finally they understood and they, now we only have, you know, the Prabhupada has a big one. And, that, you know, there should be a nice seat for the speaker, but not exclusive. So this whole thing came and it, it, it just got so crazy. And then, so after 87, uh, the first few years I was at GBC, it was actually very fascinating because it was all philosophical discussions, how to deal with, you know, the new gurus and the acharyas and the worship and all these things. And 
Right. You know, Dr. Charmaj there, and you know, some people that were very learned and also very close to Prabhupada. And it, that was actually really nice. So we worked out a lot of things. So there, there's no more simultaneous Guru Puja, you know. Right. And sometimes exclusive Guru Puja, I, I had in one place stop Prabhupada's, you know, to establish. So there's kind of crazy, crazy things were going on. And then more and more everybody realized this is not right. And when some started to fall down off the big chair, then, um, you know, we did a lot of work. That maybe we've gone a little bit too far the other way to minimize the position, but that's better. And now we have like 100 different gurus. Some of them are, you know, not really well-known people. Yeah. But we have disciples, sometimes a pretty good number. But they're not famous, big, big people, you know. But they're respected because they're good they're sannyasis and some householders. We want to get more. I've asked several god brothers and they didn't want to. <laughs> you know? mm. uh, when I first asked Mahatma Prabhu, you know, you should start initiating, we need help. He said, no way, I'm not, you know. And then, but then, you know, so many people were asking him to for initiation and right so that's how it works usually that's another thing people are mixed up that the gbc is just appointing gurus not at all like that it's not oh like yeah i wanted to ask you about that yeah what do you want to ask that uh yeah are, are, is the what's the way the, that a, a guru becomes like authorized in iskon is it that they're yeah. appointed or uh, and because the critics say that, oh, you can't rubber stamp a guru. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> well, I was on the committee. We had a called law revisions because the GBS made a lot of resolutions and they were all written in a book, you know. Yeah. And it wasn't very organized and sometimes they weren't being followed. So we had a committee. It was myself kind of just extra. Gugaranga started it. And uh, Jai Pataka Maharaj, Rabindra Sarup, and Bhakti Rupa Prabhu. So we went over all these resolutions and took out the ones that were duplicated. And then Rabindra Sarup mostly, but we all worked on it, wrote the whole thing about, you know, becoming a guru and standards, what a guru is supposed to behave and all these things. Also temple presidents, GBC, you know, what is this? What is that? A lot of things. And they're all in the law book, mm -hmm. which is, again, you know, constantly being revised and trying to fix it up, make it very organized. It's online, you know, with a, with a wiki, whatever that is, mm. you know. And so generally, if someone is preaching and many people, you know, are wanting to be their disciple, Usually they'll be in a particular area and, and the leaders in that area will recommend them. And then they have to get like 10 different leaders uh, to fill out a questionnaire about, you know, why they think so and what are their qualifications. 
and then that comes to the GBC. And it's actually been even lightened up, so it's much more on the local leaders now than, than the GBC. So the only thing the GBC does is they get the they get the name and they get the you know the list of his history of preaching or and you know what the leaders are saying about him. And then if no GBC uh, is against it for six months, then they become authorized. <laughs> Have there been times in any meetings that you've been in where someone was like, no, I don't think that's a good idea that they become a guru? Uh, unfortunately, with Madhiji's, yeah. Oh, really? Yeah. Not too many have ever tried. And I'm still working on that one. Otherwise, uh, I don't remember. Interesting. Maybe one or two for different reasons, and then it worked out. Right. Where Where are they with the woman Diksha Guru thing? In, uh, yeah, in uh, it's, uh, <laughs> you know, there's a committee trying to working with the Indian and people together. And right. I have no idea. Right. <laughs> it's uh, life, you know. <laughs> it's a touchy, touchy issue. Yeah. <laughs> and second generation also. We need to have, you know, because now there's many devotees who got initiated in 1979 or 80 and are big, big preachers for 40 years and have many people wanting to be initiated by them and everything. But their guru is still alive. So that's ah. something that has to work out. And so, you know, some think, no, 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 Prabhupada said, and others think don't agree with that. So it's still in the books. You know? What would happen if, if we kind of got away from trying to make it into a very authorizing kind of, um, organized way of appointing, not appointing, but you know, that whole recommending. Yeah. If we got away from that and by their local people, right. If we got away from that and just made it kind of like a, uh, a free for all, like if the person's, if a person is, is uh, inspiring to someone and someone sees them as their guru and they take initiation from them, why does the GBC have to get involved with that from your, from your point of view? Well, as far as I can remember, Prabhupada said, you know, the GBC can, like Prabhupada appointed some because of what they had done, you know, their loyalty and their preaching and everything. Yeah. And he said the GBC can deal with making others. So it's a question. And, it could be chaos, and you know the GBC is a position where damned if you do and damned if you don't. <laughs> Why didn't you tell us? You know, I you know I chose this person, and somebody must have known about that twenty years ago somewhere else. He did this and that. Yeah, um, right. so that that's why it comes to the body, because the local people may not know the history of the person, but so far it hasn't happened. You know, that somebody says, no, this person said this and that, you know. Mm -hmm. And it even has to be three GBC that say something, not just one. Oh, <laughs> well, I see. And then they're not rejected, but it goes for a discussion. Right. 
it's not like they're automatically canceled out. I guess so, it's it's a it's a way to like check some balances. Yeah, well. hopefully, and you know, it's it's, uh, it's been adjusted a few times that the deputies, you know, that that are all temple presidents and local leaders and regional secretaries, they worked out a much more simplified version where the local people have much more to say about it. The GBC is practically not involved. Right. Just, just that final, okay, you know. Mm. It's, it's very difficult because it's not like, you know, traditional time uh, when most gurus, they had their ashram, isolated place, their disciples lived with them, you know, <laughs> and uh, everybody knew each other. And yeah, of course, you know, some superstars like Naratam Das or something, just everyone who heard from him for a couple of minutes would want to get initiated. And he he could deal with anybody, you know, big, big Brahmin scholars and smart Brahmins and criminals and everybody would just change just by hearing from him. No, we don't, none of it. Prabhupada was like that to some extent, to a great extent, actually. So we can't imitate Prabhupada, and, but he did give a structure and he did give a lot of things that, you know, have to go on. So temple presidents have to decide who can live in the temple. It's not so pleasant sometimes. Even on the New York City Harinam here, we have yeah. Kali Krishna Prabhu, you probably know him. Of course, yeah. So I was saying to Ram Roy, what a great, you know, loyal person he is. And he said, yeah, and he has a, he's in charge of deciding who will lead the kirtans. He said, that's not the most pleasant job, you know. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> and say, well, what about me, you know. Although he sure. tries, every, he gets more or less everybody throughout the yeah. day, you know. So temple presidents also, it's not like it used to be. People thought, you know, if you become a sannyasi, then you get all the maha, all the girls bow down, you get all, and so many want to be sannyasis. Now there's not so many want to be sannyasis. Get, finding someone who wants to be a temple president, not so yeah. many. You know, because yeah. people know what it means. You know, financial reports. The GBC is supposed to get financial reports from all the temples. Right. But like in Africa, to even... They don't even have a financial report for their temple. They just, you know, the money just, there's not that much coming and it, it's not so easy to do, you know. And then try to help them, you know, say Africa, they can't, they, they don't have money ever. So somebody has to get donations and then buy the books and get the books shipped over there. And then they have to go through all kinds of, who knows what to get him out of customs and Krishna's finally given us some arrangement, but you know, very tricky stuff, you know. <laughs> I mean get... the the I I feel like yeah, I can I can see why people are not so inspired to be temple presidents because maybe you know you, you have a GBC in your zone and they could feel like I'm not able to do what I want to do because maybe the 
they don't agree with their GBC or the GP's like breathing down their neck, kind of like you have to do this, you have to do it like this. And the GB and the temple president, maybe someone my age could be like, I actually don't want to do it like that. I want to do it this way. Of course, staying within the parameters of, of Prabhupada's teachings and things, but doing it in a different way. So how would you, how would you kind of inspire someone to kind of take up that responsibility, but at the same time, respecting that they might want to do something differently? Well, I, I know in the past there were GBC who were like that. And if they got it put into an area where they weren't there before, they would often just throw everybody out and bring in their people. I don't think that happens anymore. <laughs> uh, maybe in some places, but as far as the GBC members now, I don't know anybody who's like that. But it's not like, you know, there will be a disagreements for myself. I learned just to encourage everybody unless something's like really crazy. <laughs> but I've, I've experienced that sometimes someone shows me their idea and I think, well, this is never work, you know, but then I just say, okay, go for it, you know, and see what happens. So they can take credit for the failure or the success. <laughs> <laughs> and then that works pretty good. You know, some things yeah. succeed. And, it's Is hard. GBC, yeah, probably. Go ahead, Mahard. Sorry. Well, to get things like financial reports and stuff, they may not like to do that. Uh, for I don't know what reason. Some I had one temple where they just gave me so many excuses, and I, I never could understand what. Nobody in the whole, nobody in the temple knew anything. <laughs> Only one person knew, you know, what was happening, and there was no question of mistrust or anything. It's just. Why not tell everyone? Yeah. Because every company reveals their finances. It inspires right, exactly. that inspires donors. It's not like it hurts. So, so mainly, you know, GBC is just trying to make sure like, you know, devotees are properly situated and there's a lot of conflict resolution. So now the GBC, actually the GBC didn't exactly create it. Braj Bihari did the the uh, ISKCON resolve, right? But the GBC certainly approved of it and invited you know one world expert friend of Braj Bihari's to come and speak to the GBC and and it's been very busy you know they're just overloaded with cases all the time. Often it's between temple presidents and the congregation it's it's again between temple presidents and the gbc it's yeah. between so many things you know and so we try to make rules about loaning money and you know so many things but the devotees get in trouble you know so that's just another thing that the gbc deals with it's one of the main things so in the gbc college we're now we're trying to give people a chance to have some training before they get into management, which includes temple presidents, zone, zonal, you know, supervisors and stuff, to know about these things, how to do these things, so they don't have to just go in and some will take over a temple, or someone will become a temple president in a temple where there's big debts. And they have to take responsibility for it. You know? Yeah. Or the GBC has to take responsibility for the previous mismanagement. 
wonderful. <laughs> yeah. Regarding the GBC college, I was always thinking like, well, older devotees didn't go through kind of like jump all through all these hoops to become GBC. They just were like, okay, we're, you're going to become a GBC and you learned on the job. But now from what you're explaining it, there's ways of training devotees to deal with certain situations that they might come across that you, you, the older generation didn't have that kind of training and they had to kind of go through different yeah, hardships. That's what we're hoping that, you know, it'll help. Uh, we had, of course, battlefield training because everyone who became a GBC was was a very successful preacher. Right. Probably chose them that way, and after that, they were chosen that way. You know, because they were creating temples, they were making devotees, they were doing everything. And so now we're trying to, you know, it's a much more, but at least the devotees I know that have gone through it, they're, they're quite happy with the whole school and. It was not easy, a lot of tests, a lot of papers to write, you know, but they were happy because then they they know what's going on. You know? So we got some younger new ones coming on now, and hopefully we can get a lot more because time marches on and we're not young boys anymore. Yeah. You know, and strokes, heart attacks, <laughs> various things. Yeah. So... These are what else other things we have to deal with because it's very stressful. You know, I hear some say, oh, you know, if somebody only takes a one or two vacations a year, flying may be kind of fun, you know, right? But yeah. if you're flying every couple of days, it's not so much fun. Right, right. When you get stuck in airports for a, a day or two and, you know, things like that or... Uh, <laughs> One time I got on a plane, and two times this happened, and it, it wouldn't start for some reason. We sat on the plane for six hours, and then they said, everybody get off. They served the, the food, they had the movie, everything. Then they said, everybody get off at two o'clock in the morning, go to a hotel, but come back at six or something. You know, oh just, these kind of things happen, you know. It's not like glamorous. and It's not like we all have a big gold you know, a black Amex card and you just <laughs> go first class whenever you want. You just go to the airport and say, give me a seat. You know, you got to yeah. be scrambling for the cheapest flights. And so, you know, but it, it's uh, because it, Prabhupada wants it done. So that's what keeps everybody going. That's what ke hopefully keeps everybody going. Yeah, some people think that the GBC has tons of money, but actually the GBC itself, the budget is like very small from what I heard. The GBC uh, body is very small, unfortunately. There's been so many attempts to try to make it bigger, but it seems like, I don't know what, what reason, but it doesn't happen. Some GBC members have a lot. You know, because they're gurus and they have rich disciples. Right. Some are very poor. They're just very, you know, making it. But everybody, you know, because they're sannyasi or they're traveling creatures, they can get airfares and stuff. But there's a lot of money in the movement of the yes. members and the devotees in the congregation. Yes. And they want to build lots of 10 million. In America now, I know of three $10 million temples. 
coming up right now. And but devotees claim the GBC didn't initiate those projects. Right. Initiated by the local devotees. And then they're complaining, why are you building temples and why you're not building schools? Because the GBC doesn't have the money to millions of dollars to build a school. But still schools are there and schools like London has done a good job. Devotee care was come up from the GBC and it's become a very popular thing now. Right? And yeah. that's interesting. Uh, when we made the first strategic planning, somehow or other for the first time I'm in this room every morning. <laughs> I'm doing construction right outside. <laughs> Always have. Okay, no problem. I, I know you know, you're in the temple, right? So. Yeah. So, well, it's wonderful that New York Temple is really fixing everything up. Yeah, yeah. That's what I'm hearing. So that's wonderful. Really everything is getting remodeled and fixed up. So one of the committees was uh, called preaching or something like that. So we were meeting and Achincha Prabhu from Ukraine, he brought up the idea that What's the use of preaching when a lot of devotees are not satisfied? Mm. So we changed that committee to call devotee care. And we started, you know, that was that with those committees, we brought in a lot of devotees that were not GBC members, you know, from different parts of the world and with different specialties. And we had some very wonderful meetings. Jayapitaka Maharaj on that committee, Radhana Swami, Bir Krishna Swami, myself, and then a lot of others who were very active, you know, Bhaktivriksha preachers and things like that. And, you know, we got a lot of things going, had seminars, a nice newsletter. Uh, people were really getting interested. And then it expanded into a big international thing now, you know, with devotee care course and you know and many temples have a devotee care division now and you know trying to take care of devotees because it's not only just to feed them some you know a couple meals a day you got to take care of spiritual life got to take care of their mind <laughs> body right. you right. know emotions and spiritual life so anyway, what has become much more conscious, and that was a GBC initiative, actually. Quite a few, lot of things, you know, but we're not very good at, at advertising. This has been something we always talk about and just hasn't happened. That's why the SPT now, they're not GBC members, but they have, they're trying to show more what's going on, you know. Yeah, I appreciate that. Yeah. And they've done a really good job with all these different interviews and, you know, advertising different things that are going on in the world. Right, right. Do you ever do you ever have any regrets about joining the GBC? Because it seems like it's it's take could take away like a managing part away from someone's spiritual life in the sense of you have these responsibilities that are like. Oh, sitting and chanting or sitting and reading, but you have to travel, like you said, travel so much and things. So any regrets from joining the GBC? 
Uh, it's one of those things, you know, it's like if you read about the emotions and nectar devotion, you have everything all at once. <laughs> right. you know, they're all contradictory. <laughs> so it's like that, you know, uh, you know, somehow, you know, and sometimes it's a big headache, but then if you can accomplish something, it's good. And the meetings are a very good association because <laughs> yeah. otherwise we don't get to associate very much. Most of us are spread out all over the world, but you know. so yes and no. Yeah. yeah. I wanted to at the time because, like you said, I didn't, I was afraid there was another GBC that was very powerful volunteering to take Japan. Mm -hmm. And I I thought, no, he's going to just put me in the corner somewhere. So, and then he actually encouraged me and voted for me. <laughs> so, you know, it was a test. Mm. I was never thinking of going all these other places and everything. It didn't help Japan at all when I started going everywhere else and diving into all their conflicts. And <laughs> right. But it was very rewarding because somehow or other everywhere things got better by Krishna's mercy. So can't take credit for it because I know some places I go, I'm the same person everywhere I go, but nothing happens. Some places I go and everything happens. <laughs> I'm the same. I, I give the same class. I do everything the same. But, you know, there's a lot of factors. Yeah. But I think Prabhupada, you know, he's pleased and he wants us to do these things. Sure, but sure. The main thing, we have to preach, you know. If we don't preach and people don't understand, you know, why should we do these other things? Only by preaching and, you know, are they going to understand. So, you know, we have to study. Well, every GBC studies a lot. Traveling is sometimes good for that, especially in China. Because you travel by train and bus. All oh, right. Very easy to read all day. <laughs> right. Everything's just not so easy. But, you know, Train and bus, it's very easy. Do you ever feel like really stressed out about because if you have like a lot a large zone, there's a lot of things that could I'm sure you get tons of emails like the Maharaj, there's this problem and, and there's problem on the other side I of the world. Get, I don't get so many because uh, my zone, a lot of people don't speak English. <laughs> now getting more and they didn't have much email until right. recently like China, yeah. Indonesia, things didn't work, you know. Now it's coming more and more, but um, it's our life, you know. Rabindu Sarup once said, you know, I never would have joined if I'd known it was going to come like this. Because we joined for the bliss, you know, it was just bliss, kirtan, prasad, Bhagavad Gita, you know, everything was bliss, everybody was friendly to each other. But we made it grow, and uh, you know we have to live with it. It's like right. you have children, so when your children become teenagers and they're not quite so submissive, you might sometimes think, "Oh my God, you know, why did I do this?" <laughs> right. right. 
but at the same time you relish trying to deal with it. So we have the movement, everybody's, it's growing and that's just life. And hopefully, you know, more will come up that are willing to take the responsibility. But, and there are, I mean, there's amazing uh, leadership devotees in the second or so-called second generation, all wherever I've been, just like incredible, highly qualified people, spiritually and maturely. Not not that they're just, you know, M, you know, what do you call it, masters of, you know, management from MBA. Yeah, yeah, they're much, they're spiritually also on that level. Many, many, and they're inspiring devotees and. In, especially in the Middle East where I've seen it, it's just inconceivable. So, <laughs> you know, that's life, you know. Yeah. Whatever you do, there's, you know, there's difficulties and there's rewards. Right. Um, I wanted to ask you, because I know there's a lot of critics of the GBC and a lot of misconceptions, and I think we cleared a lot of them here, but... What would you say to someone who says that there is actually not that much control needed of different things? Like if you kind of let things go how they're going without trying to control everything, like the GBC, the GBC is meant for a governing body of a management of the society. So maybe the misconception is that, is it the spiritual authority or is it the managing authority or is it both? Yeah, it's not meant for control. You know, it's meant to, encourage and nourish and supervise. You can't control like, you know, so many people. Right. And many of the things we deal with is the devotees complaining about the temple president, you know, being a controller and not letting anything happen in the temple without going through him, you know, and, you know, everybody has to go through him, you know, you want to make a flower garland, you got to ask the temple president, you know. So the GBC deals with that a lot. Complaints about the temple president. <laughs> so GBC, Prabhupada was not a controller, you know. So we're, we're supposed to represent Prabhupada. But I imagine there has been in the past yeah. people that they think because I'm the GBC, and sometimes, you know, somebody may be really off, but at least my myself and the GBC that I know, they're not like that. They're, you know, they're trying to encourage everybody. And but you know, at the same time, we have to s s watch what they're doing and deal with you know the conflicts that come. Sometimes the conflicts are completely you know, true. And sometimes they're not. Sometimes it's just somebody else's emotional, this and that, uh, tribal conflicts, culture conflicts, you know, racial conflicts, so many different things are there. False ego. So, but we just want to encourage everybody, like, you know, whatever you're doing, please right. do it. Very good. That's, you know, Prabhupada just always encouraged everybody. So if we can follow his footsteps like that, but sometimes he would get angry and chastise. 
lot of people don't believe that, but I've seen it. And people that were with Prabhupada a lot, they saw it quite often. But his anger was much different. It didn't last. He would make a big show of anger and then again, nothing. Never say, never mentioned again. Wow. You know, if we get angry, we may keep bringing it up over and over again. <laughs> Bones our liver out. So. Right. But how many... How much can you control, you know? You <laughs> so, some people, they, they don't know at all what's going on. You know, many people, they, they don't even go to temples and they think they know everything about what's going on. And right. It's not, you know, I know some of my godbrothers, they just can't get over how they were mistreated in 1982 or something by a GBC. But yeah. it's not like that anymore. Everybody was floundering then. Prabhupada was gone and nobody knew what to do. And, you know, I know myself when the day that Prabhupada, that I found out he left, we sat around and cried and sang Jay and Ilo, you know, for a few hours. And then I didn't know what to do. So I, I was temple president, but I just went out for book distribution. And as soon as I was distributing books, I felt like, there's no, everything's fine. Prabhupada is behind me and he's happy. And then I started thinking, you know, for me, it, there's really no difference. I was never with him very much. You know, saw him once in a while and I still have my service and the other books. And, but then I thought, but for the movement, God, you know, this is a really big thing. How are we going to live with it? That we don't have this final authority that everybody accepts. Right. Although even in Prabhupada's time, some did not accept, you know, but they had to go along with it. You know, they would think Prabhupada doesn't know about America and different things. Right. So, but uh, somehow we're living and the fact that the GBC still exists is, is something, you know, amazing. <laughs> with all the troubles that have over hit the movement with gurus falling down and you know with properties getting lost and governments and so many things and still the gbc is meeting and trying and coming up with more programs and you know more things to try to help keep things uh, you know going nobody's trying to control you know But people don't know, like the CPO, they don't know that GBC created it. GBC is not trying to protect child abusers. <laughs> GBC is trying to stop it, but it's not, you know, it's just something that goes on all over the world. I guess when you look at it on a larger macro scale, the GBC, people can be so critical to like it on a, at a whole because of, of mistakes that have been made in the past and whatnot and things like that. We all know, but when talking to you, like pulling someone out of the GBC and just talking to them about their story and hearing from them, what's their motivation? It, it kind of changes people's views, I would say, because you're talking to a real person as opposed to judging a whole body. Yeah, I, I mean, one time, uh, it was back when things were just kind of coming together and Kalikanta Prabhu gave a class in Mayapur and he said, you know, all our GBC members, we love all of them. They're all great devotees and saintly people. But when they get together, yeah, you know, 
<laughs> I see what he's saying. Yeah, and that was, you know, like painful. <laughs> <laughs> but that's why Prabhupada made a GBC, collective intelligence, he said. You know, right. none of you individually can do it, you know. But together you should be able to come to some conclusion. Some things take really long time. Some things come up, you know, pretty quick. I like the point you made about that, you know, ISKCON and GBC is still around and it, they're still trying to meet and still trying to manage a society. When, when if it was in a kind of an Acharya system, it might have been like little factions and breaking up. But this has kind of keep, kept us unified, even though it seems like it's like a, it might be a drag to some people that we have the GBC, but actually it's a necessary thing. And the GBC doesn't bother anybody, you know, except like recently one person was banned from ISKCON. He's putting up a web page that Prabhupada was a Nazi and all kinds of things. You know, <laughs> you might know him. I didn't know, but, you know, so the GBC had to say he's banned from ISKCON, you know, but, but normally they don't. What does that mean exactly? Like he can't come to an ISKCON temple? I don't know him. I, I've, I've heard well, of him. I don't know who he that, is. That he's not a member of ISKCON and what he says does not represent ISKCON. I see. I see. Okay. The public and the media, they're asking, you know, why? Who is this guy? You know? Right, right. He's claiming to be the next Acharya, the real follower of Prabhupada. So, <laughs> a few people like that. But otherwise, you know, the GBC is individually, we all have to do our work, you know which means traveling and preaching and hopefully that, you know, help devotees and counseling devotees a lot, you know. Mm -hmm. do, you think there, do you think there are things to improve in the GBC? And if you do, what, what would be those things be? Well, there's things to improve in everything. So that's hard to say exactly what I think to improve, we need to get more new people on. Sure which is happening automatically. So now there's a succession committee and there's a whole system and, you know, bringing people up and, you know, but, it, but basically they come up for the same reasons that they're very successful preachers somewhere and devotees want them, you know, like one, one, one temple in my zone, they wrote me and said, uh, I can say it was David Kinanda, and he's now our lawyer, but uh, they wanted him to be initiating guru, and they, they asked me to help him, you know, do all the red tape. So I did, but then he didn't want to. <laughs> you know. mm. But he's, you know, he's gone from nothing there to thousands of devotees, and besides being a lawyer and besides helping ISKCON legal affairs, which is not some small job. So, but that's how things happen, you know. And so now if somebody, you know, so we just made a few new GBC recently and more lined up. And the GBC college is not like everybody becomes a GBC, but at least they can be very, you know, uh, leaders that know what to do and what not to do and don't have to just learn on the fly, you know? 
I I noticed that Maharaj, you're very much into distributing books wherever you go, and now you're on the you know you're on the Hari Nam party with Ram Roy Prabhu and distributing books and Rathi Atra distributing books. What keeps you going in in book distribution when you're you're I don't see that so much with other older GBC members, you know, coming on the front lines and kind of preaching that way. So what keeps you going doing that? Well, everybody was a book distributor before they became GBC. Right. And for me, it was like, I was never sure if I'm pleasing Prabhupada with whatever else I'm doing. <laughs> but when I was distributing books, I was always quite convinced Prabhupada likes this. So right. it's, it helps me to, you know, the whole, to focus my mind and on the other work. And devotees say they get inspired, so that, you know, encourages me. But others are doing it in much bigger ways, you know, inspiring thousands of devotees in their zone to distribute zillions of books and stuff. <laughs> I think example is really important. Especially for GBC member too. It's a kind of a challenge, and uh, it's. I find it purifying to talk to non-devotees one on one, rather than just talking to devotees who are kind of like, yeah, right. right. (laughs) That way, it's dangerous. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. When you meet someone, what do you what do you tell them? I'm interested to to know what your techniques are. Everyone thinks you know the same old. It just depends, you know. It's the same old story, and nothing particular. Just yoga or meditation, or how are you? Or yeah, like to read. It's it's becoming simple. People are quite receptive now. You know, I was talking to one guy yesterday, and he said I meditate. Every day I get up at four o'clock in the morning and meditate. He's a young guy, you know. So these kind of things are happening. You know, people are hearing about it. And stuff. So they're very receptive. Yeah. And just more or less get right into it. You know? And of course, with the New York, we had the kirtan there. And, but it's just for me. It's just necessary to keep my sanity. Other people, maybe, you know. I don't know what everybody else is doing. Right. But I know they're all absorbed and many are writing books and many are, you know, have big, big zones, you know, where there's much more temples and stuff, much more contact, much more things they have to do. So, What would you say to someone who um, feels like they, you know, some young people who, who, want to help ISKCON and, and because it's their, it's their home, but they feel a little bit weary about entering some leadership position because it could be uh, detrimental perhaps to their spiritual life or uh, because, you know, with leadership comes like Pratishta and all kinds of things. So what would you say to someone who's younger, who, who wants to do something for ISKCON, but is not sure? Uh well, I I think it's the same advice, you know, like 
you see in a lot of books about business, rich people advising, find what you really like to do and then just get into it. Mm. You know, if it, whatever, just, you know, you can try different things, but, you know, or if you see something you really like to do, like a lot of young boys now, they just like to kirtan, you know. But okay, do it. Then somehow we should make arrangements that they can do it many hours a day. Mm. They'll get purified. They'll get inspired. Um, I so I I just try to encourage everyone. And you know, what do you want to do? And then, you know, just do it. Even if I have a different idea what I'd like them to do, because. I think this is what we need at the moment. <laughs> Some people are like that, but Prabhupada, only, there was only a few where he just said, you go and do this, you go and do that, you know. Mostly right. he, he was like, what do you want to do? And he wanted people to do what they want to do and take care of their health, which means not just the body, but, you know, everything. So... That's my style. I, I can't push anybody or force anybody to do anything. I heard Bhaktisiddhanta said, I have four disciples in two hands and two legs. <laughs> <laughs> wow, I like that. So, right. you know, but we, we hope to encourage everybody one way or another. Find what you really like to do, and but do it for Krishna. You know? mm. Even they say, like, you know, do what you like and the money will come. Don't look for the career that will make the most money. Yeah. So many people are miserable because of that. I'm sure you've had people on your show talking. That you've had much really inspiring people on there. But uh, and do what you really like to do. And even if money doesn't come, you, you don't care, you know. Because you're happy. Like, I think, I don't know who it said, Gandhi or somebody you know, find a job that you like and then you never have to work. Right, right. So find a service you like that you really want to do, but just do it for Krishna, whatever it is, even if it's your career, you know. But realize Krishna gave you the ability and, you know, the education, whatever, and offer whatever you can to Krishna. Yeah. Realize that you're working towards the goal of, you know, eventually surrendering everything to Krishna. Can't do that immediately. Some people do, but you know, always there's always people that just can surrender early on and just totally dedicate just to ashram life or something. But not the majority. But find what you like to do and do it. Right. Because so many things have to be done. Mm. I know. I know this last year has been really tough for everyone kind of stand still. Where did, where did you spend most of that time in, at the COVID when, when, when no one was traveling? I was in Bali. Oh, okay. Which is a paradise, you know, supposedly. Right. It's pretty boring, beautiful scenery and beaches. And <laughs> because we had some, Difficulty with the government, or not really the government, but the the uh, caste Hindus, same like Lord Chaitanya had. And so 
it used to be a paradise of Harinam every day and a lot of book distribution and big programs. And then all of a sudden we didn't do any of that. So I had very good material facility. I, devotees had a guest house. I had a whole floor, five bedrooms and bathrooms and a nice kitchen and <laughs> wow, 10 minute bicycle ride to the beach. And <laughs> so, but it, you know, I started thinking and, and devotees, we didn't have big programs or anything, small ones, once in a while, small ones. So I had a lot of online classes and online stuff. Yes. So I was reading a lot more than usual, which was good. And finally, I just, I, I kept thinking I got to get out of here, but to be one thing or another, because we had difficult decisions to make about how to deal with this. Finally, they started getting it together. And then I just said, okay, I'll go to New York Rock Theatre. So they ironed out all that stuff. And no, all no, it, it's still going on, but they're taking action very nicely. I see. Okay. We're getting a lot of support from the public. Yeah. And how's it been in New York with the, with the Hari Nam and Radha Govinda Temple? And what's been your impression from seeing it over the years, you know, now till 2021? Well, it's another world. And of course, Radha Govinda, the deity worship's going on. It always did. But uh, there's a lot of devotees at Mangalartik. There's a lot of classes. And the Ram Roy's boys are all doing Bhakti Shastra on Saturday morning. And, and uh, you know, it's really nice, actually. Very wow. dynamic. Restaurants going on. It's not huge, huge, but it's it's okay. People are coming, they're happy, people buy books. There's a lot of potential future remodelings going on everywhere, fixing up everything, you know. And in the future, uh, once the TOVP is built, then Lakshmi can come from the, you know, the BBT and stuff and adding on to the buildings. That's a plan, huh? Yeah, you can put many floors on top. Right. So, yeah. Well, Maharaj. Right. Uh, that was really, really nice to talk to you about the GBC because I know there's a lot of misconceptions around the GBC. And speaking to a member, a longstanding member, it was really valuable, I think. Maharaj, if you would uh, kind of, leave us with something for our listeners, some parting words. Yeah. Well, in Africa, uh, it used to be we were always getting on the television and radio, and they would always ask that. Oh, really? <laughs> I, I would always say the same thing, because I remember John Kennedy, who was the only temp, you know American president I ever admired that I can remember, uh, when his inauguration speech, you ask not what your country can do for you, but ask what you can do for your country. Right. Yeah. So ask not what ISKCON can do for you. Don't ask what Krishna can do for you, but ask what you can do for Krishna, you, what you can do for ISKCON. Then you'll be happy. We don't want to be welfare, you know, people. Yes. <laughs> you know, 
that the GBC is not meant to be a welfare society where everybody comes and gets their dole, you know. Uh, yeah. ISKCON is, is, is made up of the members. And so some places the members are very, very enthusiastic and very fired up and doing wonderful things. And some places it's difficult. Just think what what can I do for Krishna? Krishna, help me. What can I do? What, and you can take advice, you know, from guru and devotees or whatever. But everyone has a, their own personality. There was a time when Ramaswar wanted to film some of the top book distributors, and then teach everyone else to just do exactly say what they did. He probably said no. He said everyone has their own genius, mm. you know, and we see that. You know, every, everybody is. When the more we can express our own personality and offer it to Krishna, then the more we'll be happy, and and it will attract people. Right. What attracts people is happy devotees. So, find what you really like to do. Be happy, and the movement will grow, and it'll grow around you, and you'll be happy. Right. What can I do for Krishna? What can I do for Krishna? Don't ask what Iskon can do for you. Yeah. And I think you know, it is the law of karma is you get what you give. Mm. <laughs> you know, Yeyatamam Prapajante, Tam Sataiva Bajamyaham. As they approach me, I reward them accordingly. Right? It's yeah. Krishna. So we're all getting what we give Krishna, we're getting back. And I think sometimes devotees who get caught up in the controversies of ISKCON or the GBC, they fail to see that what is the point of ISKCON? The point of ISKCON is to make people Krishna conscious. That's the main point. Yeah. And so everything else is kind of, a, everything else is a detail to that principle. Something like that, yeah. Do you, would you agree? <laughs> yeah, and, you know, m too many devotees are caught up in all the conflicts of the world. Right, right. But this Kali Yuga, it's the age of conflict. Yeah. We want to, you know, I talked to Braj Bihari. We were very close for a while. And said, you know, what we really have to work on is conflict avoidance. <laughs> it's not resolution, avoidance. Well, but because we haven't avoided it by being enough Krishna conscious, we have to have, utilize different techniques for resolving them. Right. But it doesn't work. And it, we just did it. He just did a thing in Japan. And, you know, it really helped bring all the devotees together, just a, a few classes on how to communicate and how not to communicate. Right. And devotees got really enlivened by it. So, you know, this, but, you know, if we're enough Krishna conscious, you know, you know, physician help yourself. Was that, I don't know, from the Bible or Shakespeare? Physician heal thyself, right. Is that Shakespeare or it's in the Bible, I think? It's the Bible, yeah. Yeah, physician heal thyself, you know. A lot of times the conflicts we see it, it's our it's Atma Van Manyateja got in psychiatry it's called projection. Right. Yeah. And 
you know, what we see others doing, we, the biggest, we, we're, I'm familiar with certain defects because I have them and I see it in everyone else, and, but I don't see it in myself. Mm. So I was just reading Bhaktivinoda yesterday, Amara Jivana, you know. Mm. Sadapa Pirata. Yeah. So I'm so bad, I'm just envious and rascal and sinful, and I have no propensity to do anything good. And I'm completely happy to see other people suffering, and I can't stand to see other people happy. You know, we have to overcome that mentality. And that's why he's showing us. Because yeah. it's lingering in, in Kali Yuga. Everybody's trained like that. You know, that's the modern media. And, uh, mm. Well, well, thank you, Maharaj. I think we'll end happy, there. I'm happy. One time, Indra said, Prabhupada said, chant and be happy. He said, so if I'm not happy, that's a guru aparad, isn't it? <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah, it was a knockout. I was, oh, my God. You know? <laughs> Good point. Yeah. He was very serious when he said that. So. Yeah. Did you know Thank him? You. Did you know him well? Some. You know, I mean, I had some intimate exchanges with him, but I was never in Vrindavan that much. Right. But we had good God brotherly, you know, Rasta. Nice, nice. Great. Amazing personality. Yeah. Well, Maharaj, thank you so much for joining me to talk about your experiences and talk about the GBC and give us an, a glimpse into the life of a, a GBC member and what a GBC member has to do. And um, I think it, it really changed my view a little bit on on, you know, looking at it on a whole as a body, but then looking at, at it in a kind of a micro way is, is per person. And uh, that was really fantastic. And thank you so much for joining us. JBC is just a bunch of individuals who are really good devotees and really serious and really want to please Prabhupada and help the movement, you know. Right. Yeah. And I think it's good to remind ourselves of that for yeah. sure. Any one of them you meet, you would be very, very happy to spend time with. Right. If you have any recommendations of any other members who want to come and talk uh, on the on the show, then please do message me. Well, not GBC member, but one person you should talk to is Parashuram Prabhu from London. Oh, yeah. Someone else mentioned him as well. Food for all. And Food so for all, yes. Rathiatras all over, you know, so many yeah. things. He's yeah. like m maybe the most fearless preacher in the movement. Wow. <laughs> and a straight Quite an endorsement. Yeah. If you can get hold of him. I'm sure. Just, sure. I'll try to think of others. Okay. Yeah. Yes. Thank, thank you. you very much, everybody. I hope I didn't offend anybody. No, um, I don't think you did. Thank you, Marge. Please, I'm going to turn the, off the recording, but please stay on. I just want to. Uh, say something to you after. Hare Krishna, everyone. Thank you for listening. That's the late morning program with Namras with episode with His Holiness Kavi Chandraswami. Thank you very much. Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna.